and welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello. With me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you tonight? I am feeling festive and in the holiday spirit. Well, we had discussed last week that you, in one week, made the trip to Walt Disney World and then on to Disneyland to give us the breakdown of what both holiday experiences are going to be. Tonight, we're going to talk about a first for you, as far as I know, Disneyland Merriest Night. It was a first for me, and if you've listened to the show, you know that I always say there's something special about Disneyland, and this certainly didn't disappoint. I did the Merriest Nights, and then two weeks from now, we're also going to do an extra show that I hadn't planned on, I got to participate in Disney's Festival of the Holidays out there, and that was super unique. So those of you who haven't made it to the West Coast and haven't done Disneyland, you're missing out. Listen, and then let's get you out there. Well, and we do have plenty of folks that are listening from all over, not only the United States, but from all over the world. So for some of these folks, Disneyland might be really what they know the most of. Obviously, we do have a tremendous amount of East Coast-based listeners as well. But let's kind of just start from the beginning, right? I mean, you said this was the first uh, time you'd been to this particular event. So, uh, you know, where do you want to begin? You know, take us through the whole experience. Start off and and I'll pepper you with some questions from there. You bet. And I'm going to back up a minute on something you said because I'm a statistics girl. Explains why I have a daughter who's a high school math teacher because I'm a math person. (laughs) And I love looking at our statistics. As you said, We have people listening on six continents. And what always blows me away is we have listeners in 69 different countries. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate all of you who tune in for us because I know for some of you getting to Disney is maybe a once in five years or 10 years or once in a lifetime. And I'm glad that you pick us to give you that extra dose of magic. Well said. Well said. All right. So break down the event for us, the the Disneyland version of their holiday experience. You bet. And I'm going to try really hard to focus on the Disneyland event, but I am going to throw in a bunch of comparisons for anybody who is expecting something or wondering how different they are. And the first difference is part of why I've never made it out for the holiday parties in Disneyland is they are extremely limited. There are six of the Disney's Merriest Nights parties as compared to 38 at Walt Disney World. Wow. And they stretch over the same number of weeks. So that gives you an idea how limited this experience really is. Now, we've talked about Disneyland at length during the show. And and if you haven't heard any of our Disneyland shows, whether it's the resorts or some of the experiences inside the parks, please, I encourage you to go back and listen Give us an idea as to why it's 38 versus 6. Is it is it location-based? Is it size-based? What's really the rationale behind that? So I'm going to ask my Disney sales manager if she's listening to cover her ears because she's not going <laughs> to like my answer on this. I hope she's listening. Walt Disney World is a huge vacation destination. And typically, people are there for four to seven nights. There's so much at Walt Disney World. Lots to see and lots to do. And it's a major vacation for people. Right. Disneyland, many guests do one or two nights, occasionally three nights, but they have a much, much bigger local draw. And we know that these events are not cheap. 
So while there were a lot, it sold out for the number of parties that they had, you saw a very different clientele when we talk about who goes and what's there. I saw very, very few strollers. I saw probably one stroller for every 10 that I saw in Walt Disney World, simply because people with young kids who wanted to do the party got a babysitter and left them at home. Or they're doing the party, you know, with, I saw a lot of people there that had teen kids. So it's a very different dynamic out in Disneyland. So it's either that, Sandy, or they listened to our show that we did that particular week and they said, we're going to take Sandy's advice and we're going to leave the kids at home and go ahead and do this experience on our own. That must be it. (laughs) That's what we're going to go with as we just sang the praises of all the listeners throughout the world. So let's really break down the experience. You said very limited. I guess we could ask the question, who is it for? Because we do that as often as, as possible. You've mentioned that there's there's more local um, presence there than there is in Walt Disney World. Is that really what it boils down for? It, it's really more towards geared towards a local crowd and that adult crowd that you had just discussed? I think so, because again, when you're on vacation and the party falls in the middle of your vacation and you're out with your kid and you don't get back to the hotel till two in the morning, the next day is still vacation and you can sleep in. But one of the things that I really notice more this time than ever, but it happens a lot, is because of the number of people that are local. From 10 o'clock on, the crowds start to dwindle because people are making that drive home. It'll surprise you and all of our listeners to know that I talk to total strangers all the time. (laughs) And so while waiting for the Muppets caroling and the Christmas parade, I talked to everybody around me. They were all locals who had an hour to an hour and a half drive home when the party was over. Got it. So it definitely skews for adults. They were all going to school and work the next day. The party here is a little bit earlier. It's eight to midnight instead of nine to 1 a.m. But again, if you actually stayed till midnight by the time you made it back to your car and then did that drive, you're still getting home at 2 a.m. And if you've got a high school kid, that bus at 6.30 in the morning is darn early. Yeah, it does. It sneaks up on you. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the entertainment options. We had broken it down when we had talked about its counterpart over in Walt Disney World. So tell us, what were the entertainment options that we had at this awesome experience? There was huge entertainment here. I felt like there was substantially more entertainment than at Walt Disney World. Interesting. Okay. So as I said, we had the Muppets Christmas Caroling Coach. It happened four times that evening, and it was one of those things that if you didn't know it was how it was going to work, and you came for the Muppets, which I heard a lot of people bought their tickets once they heard this was happening, all these (laughs) huge Muppet fans, since they're so close to Jim Henson's studio out there, um, you might be disappointed and you might miss it. The Muppet coach comes down the street, and it goes and stops right in the hub. And so there's only about 12 feet of curbside that really gets to view them. They do a little performance, then they make a circle around the hub, they stop for two more minutes in that same 12 feet, and then they proceed back down the coach. So all these people that line Main Street to see the coach, I think had a level of disappointment. Um, Very well done show, but very difficult because it should, in my mind, have made multiple stops along the street to see the show several times. That said, I was super excited 
the American Sign Language team signed the Muppets Christmas Caroling. And again, my daughter studied ASL. We know all the teams in Walt Disney World, and it was great to see them out in Disneyland. If you want to see the Muppets or you want to see ASL, check out the show notes. I've got a link in the YouTube channel of all of the Muppet carols and the Muppet jokes being signed for you. I'd love to be a fly in a room when somebody says to the people that are going to do American Sign Language, okay, you're assigned to animal. Good luck. Figure that out. <laughs> Figure out how you can make nondescript noises work <laughs> with American Sign Language. <laughs> so there's actually, I'll go a little off script here. There's sure. a woman in Florida that we know who is actually in charge of scripting all of the sign language for Walt Disney World and Disneyland. And she creates a binder with the signed program so that if you go see the Christmas Caroling Coach on a different night and it's a different team of interpreters, you are going to see the exact same show. And one of the things that people may not know about sign language is in addition to obviously the hand signals, there is a lot about facial expression and their whole body movement. So I encourage you to look at it I think my favorite was watching her try and do her Miss Piggy. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> well, it should come as no surprise that the the attention to detail is just out of control when it comes to something like that. So nice little tidbit. I really appreciate it. What else did they have to offer as far as entertainment when we get away from the Muppets? They had the Christmas fantasy parade. So their version of you know the parade that we see in Walt Disney World for the holidays. Interestingly, they only did it once. And so I will say the street was packed for that 930 performance. It was a longer parade than what we saw in Walt Disney World. But for some reason, I don't know if it's really that it was their first time back at a parade where they've kind of changed their protocols. It was one parade, but it did have these tiny little gaps in between where you'd you knew the parade wasn't over because we all know the parade ends with Santa. Right. And we hadn't seen Santa yet, but you kind of had these dead spots. But super cute. They did really well. They have a Toy Story float that I thought was adorable. Of course, the toy soldiers, the reindeers, and Santa. So definitely worth watching as well. So here's where I'll ask you to make the comparison between the two. Different floats, similar floats, as far as the storytelling, different, unique, or is it very, very similar between the two coasts? I would say 50-50. Um, they all have my favorite of those toy soldiers. They all have princesses in their holiday outfits. They both have Santa at the end, but there's some definite differences in the middle. Okay. What else as far as entertainment? So then they really, this is where they kind of went over and above what I thought we had in Walt Disney World. They created six different themed areas and each area in a specific land had a band or choir or a DJ and princesses. So Fantasyland, there was a brass band that performed four times and they had the most characters in Fantasyland. Friends from Frozen and I have to say, I have never seen so many friends from Frozen. We had six different Frozen characters, ones that I have never seen out oh, wow. in Walt Disney World. So great to see them. Belle and Beast in their holiday wear, Donald, Pluto, uh, Fantasia, Frozen Fairy Wings. And of course, you could visit Santa here as long as he wasn't in the parade. Very cool. So 
again, let's draw in the comparison between the two, because I know you said you were interested in doing that. Would you say more characters, less characters than its Florida counterpart? I think it definitely had more characters. It definitely had more entertainment. Um, I was hard pressed and I did not get to all of the entertainment because there was so much of it. Oh, cool. Okay. You know, one of the things that people go to these particular events for is they think it's a good opportunity to get some good photos, to, to kind of take things in in a different way. What about the the photography options there? Were there were there more opportunities to get shots than you would normally have seen on a regular evening in Disneyland? Definitely more opportunities. Definitely unique outfits. Um, for instance, Goofy was out from the Christmas Carol. You know that all blue kind of look. Yeah. And again, I'm going to draw a little bit of a comparison here. In Walt Disney World, if you remember, I was talking about all of my Main Street popcorn and Diet Coke that I got for free. <laughs> right. This did not include any food or drink. What it did include was your photo pass. Interesting. And again, I think it's a different crowd. When we talk about people that were at Walt Disney World and they're there on a three to five night vacation, most of them probably have photo pass already. So giving them that isn't a real gift. It's a duplicate. Here, because there were a lot of people just here for the party, it became a gift. Huh. So, but the regular concessions were still open for you to frequent? Regular concessions were still open. I will say the probably longest line that I saw in the park, for those of you who've been collecting popcorn buckets, the Christmas tree light up popcorn bucket is back. <laughs> it is white this year. I had a friend that would like one. I was going to get online. I stopped counting at 70 people. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't need popcorn that badly that I'm paying for. No, and and you don't like anybody nearly enough to wait online for that to get to get it for them. I mean, it, it no is no fast pass, no genie, no lightning lane, no anything. Therefore, no popcorn. No, not at all. Okay, all right. Where do we go from here? What else? Uh, right on Main Street, they had, as I said, the Mickey friends. So Mickey and Minnie in special holiday outfits. Goofy. They did a handbell caroler group that was phenomenal again check out our youtube channel for let's talk diz i've got that going up there um in Frontierland, they had the mariachis dressed for the holiday with miguel appearing very cool. tomorrowland had the dance party with buzz lightyear over in adventureland they had an island duo group playing four different times at night and of course lilo and stitch visiting and then on the Mark Twain Riverboat, they actually had eight different appearances of the Tiana Tinsels and Tunes, um, a little jazz group. And you could also meet Tiana as well as Jack and Sally over there. You know, just in, in having both of these shows back to back that we've done, it sounds to me like the way you're describing it, they did go out of their way to give both of these experiences a different show type of feel and a, and a very unique feeling, you know, from East coast to West coast. It sounds like they were two pretty distinct events. They definitely were. And one of the things that I skipped over was how the night started. So in our last show, my big tip was go get your wristband early Right here. They did do wristbands cause they're very strict about that 8 PM time. Um, but what they also did is they gave everybody, a light up necklace with a badge on it for the party. 
And so it was a different Christmas bulb necklace than what they sell in the gift shop. So you can't just go get your own, but it made it very easy for them to quickly clear the part. <laughs> yes, I would imagine so. It's a very bright identifier. <laughs> and it was a great identifier for them, but being there, obviously the parties take place at night. It was really neat to look down any walkway and literally see hundreds of lights. Yeah. Very cool. I wonder I wonder if that was that the first time you had seen them do that? Has that something they've done in the past to your knowledge or no? I have not seen that before. Um, I will say it definitely took a lot of coordination. One of the things about Disneyland, and I'm going to get a little nostalgic here, they're not up to speed with where we are in Walt Disney World and moving people at the same speed. Sure. Um, when you get to their turnstiles, they still have turnstiles. It definitely took a little longer for them to give everybody a wristband, everybody a necklace. And then, of course, nobody knows how to move out of the way when they're handed something. They're all <laughs> trying to do that pull tab to light up their necklace sure. instead of walking around with it dark. So it was pretty congested in the front of the park. Um, I will also say that this first party coincided with Disney Plus Day. And I know, Jeff, you haven't been to Disneyland. Nope. But I know that I can give you and our listeners who've been to Walt Disney World this visual that we saw. So when you got through the turnstiles, it's just like Walt Disney World. You have that brick area, and then you can go under the train station. And that brick area is where they were doing the wristbands and the necklaces. But because it was Disney Plus Day, they actually carpeted that massive, massive amount of brick in blue carpet and Disney Plus logo. So I think that also held people up a little bit that night because everybody was so surprised that they weren't on brick. The one thing that you have here as I'm looking at um, our little rundown that we're going to talk about that I think it definitely is, is piquing my interest is you just have the word pajamas. Talk to me about what you mean by that. So this is a thing on both coasts and it's a Halloween and Christmas thing, but it was definitely more prevalent here and I don't get it. Every year for both holidays, Disney sells what I call footy pajamas that have a hood sure. without the feet. And I don't know why everybody decides that is proper party attire to walk around in these onesie pajamas. <laughs> it didn't matter where you went. You saw at least one person walking the park in their PJs. Listen, you're in the wrong audience because anytime I have the opportunity to go anywhere in my pajamas, I'm in. <laughs> so, so unfortunately, we do not see eye to eye on that one because if I get an opportunity to walk around in pajamas, especially if they're Mickey pajamas, I'm taking it. I'm taking it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> I used to see it if I went to a second party later in the season when it got cold right? because people weren't packed accordingly. And so... They could go into the gift shop and get something that covered both their legs and their arms in one piece. Sure. It was 90. Yeah, so that's a little hot. It was hot. <laughs> it was definitely hot. That's a little hot. All right. What else? What else haven't we gotten to yet? So I think that creates the perfect segue to the most un-Disney thing that I ever saw this trip. And I saw it not once, but twice. And one of the tips that I always give people and I know this will shock you all, Disney's <laughs> always happy to take your money. Yes. And so we talk about park closing time. And then if the park closes at 8 p.m., you can get on a ride all the way up until 7.59 and 59 seconds. 
And then as they kind of corral everybody down Main Street and whatever that Main Street is in any park anywhere in the world, all the gift shops stay open and they're all packed and they are happy to keep them open as late as they have to, to be able to let you buy your last souvenir. And the way that Disneyland is laid out, their equivalent of the Emporium is right next to a little courtyard with tables and chairs. So I was sitting at a table plotting how I was going to fit in all of these things and which entertainment to go to first and second and recording all my times and locations. And I heard, and then I looked up as I heard a gentleman say, I'm sorry, sir, the gift shop is closed since you're not here for the party. And it was literally 8.01 and they were not letting non-party guests shop. And I thought, all right, you know, they really kind of want to turn things over for the party. And I will admit that I was, the party ended at midnight. I watched the 11.45 handbell carolers, which went to about 11.53, 11.54. And then I ducked into the gift shop. I was paying for my couple of things by 11.59. And as I was walking out, once again, I heard them tell people they were closed. I have never heard Disney turn away people from a gift shop before. Huh. Interesting. Any last bit of, of information or any kind of advice or anything else you want to say tonight to the listeners before we put this baby to bed? We're going to be doing a show in a couple of weeks about the celebration of the holidays that occurs in California Adventure, where I spent the bulk of my time outside of the party. And while I loved the Marius Nights and it brought some really unique things, I was in awe of how they do the holidays in California Adventure. So there is definitely still time to get out to California, see Disneyland, celebrate the holidays. You can Obviously, as I said, they're sold out on the Marius Nights. But when you hear me talk about their holiday celebration, you're going to want to make sure that you add Disneyland to your holiday plans. If not this year, definitely next. Well, for those run Disney folks, you know that there are medals for Coast to Coast Challenges. Sandy, you accomplished the holiday Coast to Coast Challenge in the last week. I think you deserve Where's my medal? I think you deserve a medal all of your own. Maybe something that lights up. You never know. Or something that's made of chocolate. Whatever works if you're listening, Disney. I just want one example of it as soon as you decide to steal our idea and make their a Coast to Coast holiday medal. That's all I'm looking for. Sandy, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for taking the trip. And thanks for giving us the information as you do each and every week. My pleasure. Happy holidays, everyone. And that's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Diz. If anyone you know can benefit from this or any show, please share, have them like, and subscribe. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories.